Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Lanes Podcast. I know there has been a bit of a delay here. I will explain that all to come. But this episode, guys, a big wrap-up of the NBA. Finals have happened. Drafts happened. Free agency has started. I'm going to get through all of that, but let's not waste any more time, guys. Let's get straight into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Lanes Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Now, before we get into everything basketball-related, I will say this. Uh, the reason why I haven't been doing it, uh, obviously, you know, a little bit busy, but to be quite honest, I've been very lazy. Uh, I haven't been doing a lot in the sense of that. i just been lazy. I haven't made time for it, and I should have. So I apologize to the people that listen. Obviously, you guys, I do appreciate you guys a lot, and, you know, it's it's made me realize that, I really want to come back and do more podcasting again. I keep saying this, but consistency is something I need at the moment in life. So I'm going to try to make this a four, sorry, not four, a main aspect of my consistency. So I'm going to get into this as much as I possibly can, guys. I, I really know that you guys did like a lot of the stuff that came through. Bit of difference, you know, a bit of different, you know, me stepping out of my boundaries in the podcast sense. And I think that's that's good because it gives you a different perspective, I would say, on me. A different perspective on what I am going through in life at the moment. You know, I you know, I would say the dating stuff was you know some of my highest stuff rated at the point in time. Obviously, that is a bit of a niche market, same as basketball. But I do know that you guys really really like that, so I'm probably going to get Brooklyn on board again, Chrissy on board again. You know, they they could probably do a podcast on themselves. They are really 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 good. I do have a little bit of. I would say ideas about them, maybe possibly running their own show under the umbrella of lanes. But in saying that, I'm going to be back now, guys, trying to get you at least one to two podcasts a week. I feel that's very doable at the moment. But guys, I do appreciate you guys hanging on. And this episode, I'm going to pack all of the NBA in three parts. We're going to go first, the playoffs slash finals. Secondly, we'll go into the draft. And then thirdly, free agency and the hysteria of the KD and Brooklyn Nets situation. Because that, that could be a whole podcast on its own. But I will dive a little bit into it too. I will dive into another podcast just on the KD one also. But crazy stuff happening in the NBA. Now, first off, can we just... I'm not going to say on this podcast that I knew it was coming. I knew I was right. But as we all know, 2022 NBA champions are the Golden State Warriors. I I wasn't surprised by this. I think you guys, you know, if you if you really listen to the podcast, you know, especially in lockdown last year, I was saying Golden State they're going to be a contender, they're going to be a force. I didn't know how good they were, but when I watched that playing game last year when they versed the LA Lakers and they nearly won with Draymond, Steph Curry, Juan Descano, Anderson, Kelly Oubre, Wiggs, I just said if that team can contend against the a team with AD, LeBron. Now, obviously, we know they didn't you know, pan out and be great, but for me, AD doesn't get injured. They beat Phoenix. That's just my opinion. But if they didn't get injured, you know, what was to happen with that team? So for me, I was really interested in that. And I, I just said to myself, no, nah, they're going to be a contender. They're going to be a force. We all know they started super hot, the best 
start they had since their 24-0 start again when they were the 73-9 Warriors. Obviously, different team, different makeup. But I had the feeling that there was different, but it had a lot of patterns of the same. And then it had a lot of, you know, just same players, same same type of fit and feel. You know, they had that that loose, unselfishness basketball, free spirit, no no real expectations of them at the time. You know, they, they weren't supposed to win. They were just coming in and they were kind of like the... The team everybody liked to watch. You know, Steph Curry's a guy that I don't know if you can hate him. I don't know a lot. If you do, I don't know why or how you hate him. He's just a person that's so great to watch and effortless, Stephless, as some people might say. But, you know, in saying that, I had them definitely go on conference finals. I'm like, they'll definitely make the conference finals. The more I watched them and the more I saw the, the West play out, like the way that Phoenix just got bombed by Dallas was beyond me. I don't get it. They, they will never win a championship with that current roster and DNA. Obviously, we now know DeAndre Ayton, he ain't. He played his last game for Phoenix, if you ask me. He's done. Uh, I can just see that, the writing's on the wall there. But the way Golden State, they had a plan, they, they, had the, they had the, I would say, run. Their main threat, apart from the Celtics, who, who did push them to six, was the Grizzlies. And I, I still think the Grizzlies, you know, they were one of my team that I said at the start of the year, like, they could be good. Obviously, I didn't think they were going to be this good. I said they could compete for a four seed because I liked the makings. Obviously, they made the two seed, and everybody's super high on them and Jar. But they 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 showed me that like Golden State had to really come in and and hone in and focus on them. Now, Jar did get injured in that series. I, I I absolutely agree that that would have been a big loss for them. But they still played tough and hard. I think Taylor Jenkins is one of the most underrated coaches in the NBA. I really like what he does and the system that they run. It's a very, very good system, if you ask me. They play together and for each other. And the culture that they, they that they have in Memphis, I think, is a top three to top five culture in the NBA. I'm a big, big fan. I'm not going to name off three or four more teams. But I just love the, the DNA and the makeup of that team and franchise. So when I saw them pushing Golden State, when they lost by 50, that was the best thing for Golden State, if you ask me. Because it showed them, fuck, we can't just come in now and think we're just going to beat a team that's young, that has no experience. Because you know what? They're going to come in and they're going to verse us and they're going to play hard. they got nothing to lose. So why would they just come in and not play anything? It was really, really refreshing for me to see them work and grind. I watched that game six, the whole thing. I saw them. I just saw the championship DNA, the will and, and how to win. That was the biggest thing for me, how to win. Because every team they played, they played Denver, all right? They know how to win, but they had no Murray, all right, who was a big loss for them. They had... No Porter Jr., okay? They have Aaron Gordon in there who's never really been past the first round. Will Barton, they were relying heavy on him. Monte Morris. So some of the makeup, but like still players that weren't in deep playoff runs. And they didn't fit great. They didn't fit great. And I will say this. The Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, still one of the most underrated players in the NBA and one of the most underrated players in NBA history. For a man to get two back-to-back MVPs and be slandered on this much is a disgrace. And I think everybody in the in the NBA circles should realize he is a generational talent and we are not going to see a lot of him for years to come. That is my opinion. But obviously, I have a soft spot for big men that can pass and play actual basketball and have a brain. But in saying that, I saw them go through Denver. No real experience. Memphis, even though they played tough, not a lot of experience playoff-wise. Right? They did have one series where they got beat 4-1, but not a lot of playoff series experience. Okay, Then you go to Dallas. 
Dallas had two first-round exits, both seven-game to six-game series, but they didn't have a lot of playoff experience. And for Dallas to make it there, that is a success and a half. I did not expect them to make it that far. I thought that they could possibly, if they were to verse Golden State, I thought they could have beaten Golden State. You never know. You know, like in a second round, possibly. I said they could. I never thought they will. I said they could. But I didn't think they were definitely going to be... I didn't think they were going to be Phoenix. I think Phoenix was going to give it to them maybe five, six max, right? Because I just saw the depth Phoenix had, the, the way they were playing Phoenix, you know, regular season. Obviously, New Orleans, it, it scared me if you were a Phoenix fan because New Orleans figured out ways to beat them, figured out ways to get DeAndre off the floor, and they figured out a way, you know, how to really, you know, kill, kill the Phoenix Suns. And that, for me, was a worrying sign, but I still thought, you know what, New Orleans young, vibrant team, they just play tough, hard, physical. It might not be that bad, but I was really impressed with 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 the way Dallas dissected the Suns, but I didn't think that they were going to beat them. But Jason Kidd outcoached Monty Williams, and Luka Doncic is the second-best player, I will say, at the moment in the Western Conference. I will say he's the second best player in the Western Conference. The best, the, the the best player in the Western Conference is Steph Curry. That that to me is how good Luka Doncic is, and the system and the players he had it suits him to a T. He can do mostly all the all the ball handling, decision making, you know everything in that sense. And then he had a couple of guys who can go and get you a bucket in Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie. So I did have hesitations when they were diverse, the 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 Golden State Warriors, but I still said playoff experience. The home court will help them a lot, and I was right. Like I, I, I really didn't really see them losing to Dallas at all. So when Dallas got the win, when Golden State got the win in five, I was very confident in whoever they were versing that they were going to win the competition then because I just saw the experience. Now, if they were to verse Miami, I think it would have been maybe a harder matchup for them just because Miami played more team-style basketball, a bit more like Golden State, you know, where, and not, not to say that Boston doesn't, but Boston, the way they score, it's by two players, right? You've got Jason Tatum, who's an absolute machine, and you've got Jalen Brown, who I think is a very, very underrated player. I think he's a top 25 player in this league, right? So the way Golden State beat Boston was by, okay, we'll let one of them score or we'll let none of them score and let the others. Now, they, at the end of the season, did a great job, realized that Wiggins was going to give Tatum trouble. He has the length, the versatility, the size to go against him. Obviously, Tatum's a little bit of a bigger player. We understand that. But I just really liked the way that Wiggins went at him. And for me, Wiggins was consistently over the series, the second best player in the NBA Finals. If you said to me three years ago, Andrew Wiggins is going to be the second best player in the final series on a championship team, no chance, no chance. I would have said no way. I said, yeah. What, what are you? What are you smoking? No, no, no chance. I would, there, there would have been no answers for me to give. I said, no, nah, no way. But obviously, that happened, right? Going back onto the Miami thing, the reason why I thought Miami would have been a better matchup for Golden State because they play more team basketball, right? So now Jimmy Butler can be a threat at times, right? He, he's obviously your main scorer, but what if a Max Struess goes off? Okay, what if a Duncan Robinson has a good shooting night? You have Bam Adebayo there still. You have Tyler Hero. You have Kyle Lowry. You have these players, PJ Tucker, Bam, who have been in experiences like this before, right? We can't forget that Miami went to the bubble in the playoffs. A lot of people disregard the bubble saying it's not real basketball. I actually think it's the opposite. They had no real outside world 
they can hone in, focus on basketball exclusively, all right? They had social media, but that's about it. They could go in, get their work done, and play. And for people to say, like, the bubble was a bad experience, and, like, you're living in, at the time, right, everyone in America was in lockdown. You're living in Disney World. You get to do whatever you want during the day. They had barbers. You could go into the pool. They had golf. They had fishing. You could go hoop. They had golf. They had everything, like, you could possibly do. Like, I just think that it was, you know, the most, you could be the most focused point and fine-tuned point in your life at that time, you know, by just playing the sport you play. So I, I, I really think that, that experience Miami gained from the bubble was would have been really helpful for them against a Golden State. But in saying that, they weren't good enough to beat Boston, so they weren't good enough to beat Golden State, if you ask me. I think the matchup would have been better. I still think Eric Spolter is a better coach than Ema Yudoka, so there would have been a little bit more you know, challenges because Spo likes to throw everything there. He'll throw his own in there. He'll throw anything in there that thinks they can that you can get the win, and he does it legally and that's the way you do it so for me i love that but in saying that i really 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 liked really liked the way golden state just played as a team that experience they had watching clay get back to you know glimpses of clay before the injury it it it, it, as a as a fan of basketball you couldn't not enjoy that that experience and just the the scene of them and I, i i i called it to my friends i didn't say it on here i said Okay, Boston, when they won game one, I said, okay, it's going to be a tough series, six to seven games, right? I still said Golden State in six because I, de- I just didn't think that they were going to lose two more times. You know, I said, okay, Golden State's going to come back. They're going to win game two at Golden State, right? So they have that little bit of advantage. And then Boston's going to win game three. I said, Boston's going to be at home, juiced, ready to go. They're going to win game three. I said, if Golden State win game four, they win every other game from there. Because the reason I be- believed that was they get that win in game four Four, now it's tied series. Momentum goes back to Golden State, i.e. kind of like when Boston won game one. They don't have to win game two now because they know they don't have to. They would obviously liked to, but they don't have to because they're going back to game three in Boston. They're going to have all this momentum. They're going to be super ready for it, right? So now Golden State gets to go back to their place and play at their place. I remember watching that in Melbourne on the train, on the tram, yelling, just yelling, watching Clay go off, have the game, you know, that defined the series, if you ask me, for Golden State. Having Wiggins be that pest for, against JT. Having Steph Curry not make a three-point shot, I believe, that game. That is unheard of. Unheard of for him to not make a three-point shot. And they still won. They still won. So for me, the series was done. They were definitely going to win game six. I had it called. And the game, as it more progressed, they started terribly. Bad. They started really, really bad. I think it was nine nil or eleven to two. Right, started bad. They subbed in. But what I saw from from Steve Kerr was at seven nil, seven nil. I would have been pretty close to pulling the trigger as a coach and burning a timeout. Right, I would have been pretty close to that. I would have been nah, You got to burn a timeout. You got to because now, what are you going to do? Are you going to go down nine nil, eleven nil? You can't really let that happen in a sense. If you ask me. But they didn't. But he, he he let them play a little bit, and then he said, "All right, eleven nil. I'm going to have to burn the timeout now. Okay, I'm going to have to burn that timeout. I can't keep letting them, you know, keep going on and on and on. Right? So he scored that timeout. And for me, the reason why I believe Steve Kerr is the best coach in the NBA today, right? Right now, obviously, we still have Greg Popovich in there, who is one of the greatest coaches. But like in today's era, right now, to this day, 
he's the best coach for me in the NBA was because of his patience and his poise and what he did after that timeout. He adjusted, right? He's got someone like Gary Payton in there to give him a little bit of energy, a little bit of pace, right? He gets Gary Payton in there. Then after Gary Payton comes in, he gets Jordan Poole in there. So he gets his offensive players in there, right? Sorry, his energy players in there. But one's a defensive specialist and one's an offensive specialist, right? So now you've got that defense in there that's going to give you a lot of energy. Because for me, as a coach and the way I look at basketball, if you're down 9-0, 11-0, or down a 9-point swing, 11-point swing, right? How do you generate points, right? Obviously by offense and scoring, correct? That's the main focus. But for me, it's with your energy levels, right? And for me, if you have a high defensive energy level, what it will do, it will make you communicate and talk, right? So that communication and the talk factor there, it's a big, big aspect for me. If you get a stop, right, and a quick board, what's going to happen is now you're in transition. And Golden State were a really, really, really sound and fundamental transition team. The team, the players they had on at the time, right, they had Steph, Clay. They had players like, they had players like, oh, who was I going to say? Players like Poole, Peyton, right? High transition players. Really, really good at off, really, really good at transition. So they got a couple buckets in there, okay? So now the points, it swindles a little bit. I mean, the, the lead dwindles a little bit, right? But this is the thing. Boston just couldn't match it. So when they tied it, it was like, okay, do we call that time? Do we burn it? Ime Yudoka, for me, probably took a little bit too long to burn that time out. But in saying that, that wasn't his fault entirely because Golden State came out and they adjusted to what Boston was doing. But in saying that, Boston kind of played to their lead a little bit. Not to say that they were, but they, they knew, oh, if they score a bucket and we get a bucket, you know, we still got the lead. We still got that. A little bit of a gap. And you can't do that against, I would say, one of the best generational teams in the NBA ever. You know, they changed the way basketball's played, possibly, right? So you can't do that. And then what killed them, obviously, that 21-0 run, as a basketball fan, in any aspect of watching basketball, from grassroots level to rep level to NBL to NBA to state level, I have never seen a run like that. I have never seen something like that. Because let's not forget... Ime Yudoka called timeouts during that run, right? So he adjusted to it, and they still couldn't do anything about it. That, to me, it, it, it was the dagger in the heart. It was. It was the nail in the coffin. Even though it came at the second quarter, it was the nail in the coffin because they still fought back. But the way I knew that they had it done, they called the timeout. Steve Kerr was just standing on the court. He was looking, and he just... Smile towards Steph, Dre, Clay. That's when I knew it was done. I knew whatever Boston would do then, it just won't be enough. Because Golden State had that experience. They had that poise. They had the matchups that suited them. And everyone's like, Boston's defense is going to be so hard to score. I understand that. I get that. But when you have offensive, an offensive player that is maybe the most. Well, the way I say about Steph, how would I say it about Steph? The way I would articulate this about Steph is he might be the best offensive player ever. And the way I say that is him being that 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 size, right, 6'3", we've never really seen anyone dominate a game like that. What if he was 6'6", and then could get to the cup a little bit easier? Would we be talking about him as maybe 
going on a big what if, right? The greatest player ever. Because for me, he's top 10 or right now. I, I nearly had him top 10 before this. This solidifies him top 10. But if he was 6'6", six, six, you know, he, he can shoot the ball from anywhere. Now he can get into the key. His mid-range game's tough. You know, that, that's that's a thing. That's a big, big what if. But, like, he's dominating this game from that age. Like, it was just in, incredible for me to watch. And I know Boston fought back. They came back. And I give, a, I give Boston a lot of credit because I thought they were a middle-seeded team. I didn't think they were that good this season. I didn't like their makeup. Obviously, getting the defensive change in there with Al Horford, Robert Williams, getting Derek White in there was really, really good for them. You know, it showed the showed teams that they got over that hump of getting into the finals, but it just showed me that you can't you can't beat experience at times. You can't beat a great system. You know, you can have good offensive players, but it's not going to beat a system. So for me, watching that Golden State game when they when I knew they had it, it was a very emotion. It was emotional, like not for Stephen, but like just as a if you're a fan of basketball, you can't help but feeling that type of emotion that they had. Like I was, I cried when they won because like I was so happy just to see. That happened, like all the adversity, trials and tribulations that they came through. It just, it was awesome. It was awesome to see as a, as a fan, as a fan of basketball, you know. So I was, I was really happy with that. Now, for me, I was going to say, what does it do to their legacy? Now they're in this conversation of the Chicago Bulls, the the Showtime Lakers, with with Kobe, with Shaq, the Celtics. They're in the Lakers with Magic. They're in that conversation of the greatest teams ever. They are. They really, really are. I would say a smoky of them is Miami Heat because that team was a very, very good team. But for me, I just... I think that the sustained success that they've had for this eight years and period of time to go to make the finals 2015, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 22, six out of the eight years they've made the finals. Four out of those six times, they've won it. They haven't been beaten fully healthy, okay? The only time that they've been beaten was 16 against the Cavaliers. I put a little bit of an asterisk to that with Draymond Green being injured in game five because if they were to win that game, series done. Series done, they win 4-1. I still think Cleveland were the better team. They had a better team that year, but in saying that, momentum's a funny thing, what it can do, right? We saw it this series. We saw it back in 2016. You know what I mean? 2019, no KD, they win that series if they have KD. I just think that's put simply, they win it. That's just my opinion. That can not be your opinion, but that's just my opinion. I think that they were one of the most dominant teams ever. So that's my that that's that's my feeling for that. But for me, it, it solidifies them as maybe top four to top five teams ever. And I I can't I can't justify them not being in that. That's that's my opinion. And the way they did it. It was so organic. The only time when they won it in 2015, the big free agent signing they had was Andre Iguodala, who's a great signing. But when he signed it there, he signed a four-year, $47, $48 million contract. So it was a big contract, but it wasn't like a max contract. He wasn't a max deal player. And and for me, he he was never a max deal player. You know, a max deal player was them going and signing a Kevin Durant or... Carmelo Anthony going to the Knicks. Like, that's a max player for me. They got a very good player, an all-star caliber player, one of the smartest players ever. But they didn't go out and buy that free agent to get it, right? 
So they built through the draft. Now, off the top of my head, the 2015 roster, their starting lineup, Steph, Clay, Harrison Barnes, Draymond, and then they had Andrew Bogut. They did trade for Andrew Bogut, but at the time, everybody thought that was a terrible trade. Why are you trading someone like a Monte Ellis? Now, I liked the trade because I thought, obviously, Andrew Bogut was a great player. He was going to fit their system, okay? And he was really, really good for them, okay? I had a little bit of praise for Steph Curry. I know he wasn't healthy a lot, but I liked him, you know, mainly because I was playing with him on a video game and I saw how lethal he could be, but I just liked everything about him. He could pass, shoot, dribble. He could do anything at that point in time, right? So he was a, he was a, he was a transcendent player. And that might have been the best no-trade ever because they wanted Steph Curry and they did not give him up. They did not give him up. And that, to me, could be maybe one of the best things they've ever done. So for me, I was really, really happy with that. And then I just want to say that now, right, now you've got that possibility of, ooh, what am I thinking here? What am I thinking? Are we going to really, really think of, all right, Going back, how can teams create this? How? Because it was very organic. You have to draft smartly, all right? You have to do that. You have to build smartly. You have to have the right personnel and you have that right coach. Now, going back, I did just tangent. That 2015 lineup was tough. Then you have players like Andre coming off your bench, okay? He was a really, really big factor for them. You have David Lee coming off your bench, an all-star, right? So you have two all-stars, former all-stars coming off of your bench, Okay, Festus Azili, who was a big piece for them at that time. Sean Livingston, who was a really nice piece. Leandro Barbosa, okay? Those players were players that have been through the NBA who just want to win and they want to win at the highest level, right? So for me, that was a really good telling sign. You look at their team they had this year, right? Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Dre, Looney, okay? Andre comes off their bench too. Jordan Poole comes off of their bench. Otto Porter comes off their bench. Gary Payton comes off their bench. At times, they had someone like Jonathan Kaminga come off their bench. A bit more of a difference in the sense of veterans. You know, you got Otto Porter. You've got a toilet in Gary Payton who just wants to go out and play. This basketball will be guaranteed. But he was a really, really, really big piece for them. And then you have youth. You have youth, right? Like Because when Golden State won it, they still had a bit of youth. Okay, Steph, Clay, Draymond, they were still youthful players, right? So you have that mix of youth, you have that mix of leadership, and you have that mix of players that just want to win. Be elites are also, right? They want to come to a situation where they can win. So the way I look at it, a team that's going to be possibly, I don't know if there's, there's never going to be a Golden State ever again, right? But a team, if you look at me, who's going to be a decent team, I say Memphis is going to be really, really good, right? I, I really, I don't mean, do believe that. I think Memphis is going to be really, really good. I like what I you know I I do like Dallas because they have that Luca factor, and anytime you have that Luca factor, it's going to be really really not tough. So for me, I just think that the way you do it and the way you create a success, it's really by building smartly, but investing smart and investing in your coach and your system and getting players tailored to that position. Memphis aren't a grit and grind team, if you ask me. They're a bit of a showtime team. So they need showtime players. That's how they win it. They got the jars of the world, you know what I mean? Like, they got that jars. So I'm really, really happy for them. 
I'm really, really happy. But in saying that, I just need to see other teams. But I said earlier in this podcast this was going to be a three-part series. I'm going to break it down because this one's nearly 30 minutes. I think that that's going to be a bit better in the sense of, in the sense of you know giving you a little bit more, a little bit more, I would say audience why a little bit more information because I can I can dissect it a little bit better and I, and I really enjoy doing that. So second one's going to be coming up a little bit more the draft and free agency. I'll combine those two together because I'm not massive as you say as I would say I'm not a big draft person like I don't go super super into it, but I can talk about the draft picks and what I think they're going to be like and how it fits their team. But guys, that's today's episode. I do appreciate you guys sticking by me. Really make sure you give this a listen. Give it a listen the whole way. If you have already, you're already here. It's really, really cool. I think the way I dissected this podcast and just thought about it organically, it's a little bit more of an easier listen. And I do appreciate you guys listening. So guys, make sure you listen to the outro here. You can find out all our socials and make sure you give it a follow. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Lanes Podcast. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe all the content that's coming your way. Hit us up on Instagram at lanesmedia underscore all under capitalized letters. Thanks for listening, guys. But most importantly, have a great day.